Please be seated. My apologies to the choir. It's a special day, I forgot to tell you. Big idea today is there is redemption after a fall. There is redemption after a fall. Every Palm Sunday, uh, as you might guess, uh, the, the, the Passion reading is a little too long to cover the whole thing, so I'll just pick one part of it. And today I want to talk about um, Peter's failure in the garden. I want to show you this video. This is from the past. <laughs> Amarlana en ant mesiaka bar elachachai Echueana Taxon Barnash he failed by him in Kail. Not 
Amin Amir Analak. Petram Tangela Krat in Yenuth. Tatakatani Tilotult. Peter had made uh, all kinds of promises before the trouble started. I'm never, I will never leave you. I will die for you. I've got your back. If you can count on me, all the others may go, but I'll still be here with you. Not so much. Have you ever made a commitment you didn't keep? Think of a lot of politicians who get elected thinking, when I get up there, things are going to be different. I'll show them. I'm going to represent you. You sent me there. I'm going to do what needs to be done to represent this district, this whatever. And then they get to wherever they're going, and they find out that there's a system in place. And over time, they fall into how that works, go along to get along. And it's different than what they said it would be when they left. Back in 2007, there were 15 rectors that were going to leave the Episcopal Church. You probably maybe read about this in Paul's book, or you've heard me say it. But there were 15 of us that were walking together um, over and over and over for a long time, and we were leaving. We're not going to take anything. We're just going to walk out the door and say we're, we're leaving. We're on the 27th floor of the SunTrust building in Orlando, 15 rectors, 15 senior wardens. Jim Wilkerson was there. He was our senior warden then. And in the show of unity, I just said, if you're leaving, stand up. Nine stood up, six remained seated, and then in the end, one of the nine sat down. So there were eight that said yes, and seven said it's too much. They looked over the cliff and it was too far down. Even though we've been walking together, working together, praying together for a long time toward this day. None of those guys have ever spoken to me again. Very sad to me. That walk on the beach, one of the things God said to me back in September of 07, more people will be unfaithful to me than will be faithful because being faithful to me will cost too much. And I think people are seeing that today. 
being faithful to God does have a cost. Are we willing to pay it? And then there's Peter in the courtyard, his moment of truth. In the beginning of the story, Peter shows some very reckless courage when he cuts the, off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Jesus says, put your sword away. That's not how this is supposed to go. And so the last place you might expect to find him would be in the courtyard of the high priest. He's in enemy territory. But he's the only disciple that went there, and I think that shows some display of courage on his part as he went. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. When we follow Christ at a distance, we're more open to temptation and to a fall. God wants us to stay close to him. And so what does that look like for me in my daily routine? How do I wake up? Do I wake up with God? Do I have a devotion time? Do I read my Bible? Am I in a Bible study? Do I listen to maybe podcasts or things like that that have a faith element to it? Am I in a small group? Do I take time out? I've been remiss lately. Uh, that TWG thing, I haven't been putting it on my schedule, but I've got to get back to doing that. Time with God, maybe 30 minutes up here in the church. I put it on my schedule, and I come up here, and I sit, and I walk. Time with God. We need to be intentional about staying close to God. If we're not intentional about it, it doesn't happen. Right? So he's now sitting among the accusers rather than standing with Jesus. You know, the more we sit with the world, the more comfortable we become. our new surroundings. You think of things that were unthinkable just a little while ago. Um, you think about things, God's truth. You think about making same-sex marriage legal. God said marriage is between a man and a woman, lifelong, faithful, monogamous, heterosexual. That's God's definition of marriage. Man has come and changed that. We don't get to do that. God said this is what it is. Our children are in school. I wonder who are they listening to? What are they being taught? Most of us were taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's a very different world in which our children are being raised today. They're learning very, very different things. And the sad part is, internationally, America is like number 30 on the list of um, ability of school children. China's number one, and we're down at number 30. Marion County is way down on the list of counties in Florida. Just reading and writing. You can go to a big city in America. Baltimore has 23 high schools, and not one high school student is at a level for grade level for reading or math. Nobody. How does that happen? It happens because we take our eye off the ball. We take our eye off what's really important. One of the things that happened that might be changing this, and again, getting away from God, is when COVID hit, 
children were home and classes were held on Zoom calls. Parents got to see what was being taught. They went, whoa. Some districts said, the parents had to sign a statement that said, I will not, I will not watch what is being taught to my child. You had to sign that statement for your child to be educated. I mean, I would not have been signing it. Why don't you want me to know what you're teaching my kids? What's going on there? But see, the more we sit with the world, the more comfortable we become with what the world has to offer. In the courtyard, a servant girl recognizes Peter. Denial number one. I don't know what you're talking about. He now moves to the entryway but doesn't leave the courtyard. Another girl comes up and said he's one of them. Bystanders now say he's one of them for he is a Galilean. His accent betrays him. No, I'm a Texan. Park the car and have it yard. What's the matter with you? His accent betrays him. Denial number two. Now he even denies knowing. I don't even know the man. I will never leave you. They may all leave, but I'll, be st I'll still be standing by your side. Denial number three now involves, invokes a curse on himself, saying, in effect, may God strike me dead if I'm lying. And so the, the denials progress in intensity. The pressure is increasing, and now the cock crows. The Roman night was divided into four watches from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., at the end of the third watch at 3 o'clock in the morning, which is about when this is happening, the guard was changed. When the guard was changed, there was a bugle call, which was called the Galicinium, which is the Latin for cock crow, which is most likely what happened was that Peter, as he spoke his third denial, the clear note of the bugle call rang out over the silent city and smote on Peter's ear. He remembered and his heart broke. He remembered what Jesus said. You will deny me before the cock crows. You will deny me three times. So at this point, Jesus looks at him. In Luke, we read, and immediately while he was still speaking, the cock crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times, and he went out and wept bitterly. You saw that in the video. It's not a look of condemnation. I think it's a look of sympathetic understanding. I knew you were going to do this. I told you you were going to do this. I knew that you would be weak, and under the pressure you would break. And that look broke Peter. He no longer cared about the danger around him. He only knew what had betrayed Jesus. He had betrayed Jesus, and it broke him. He wept bitterly. But that's not the end of the story. Peter is ultimately restored. In Mark, we read, and he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And in Luke 24, he says, we said, the Lord has risen 
indeed and has appeared to Simon. Jesus made a point to restore himself to Peter. And I, I, I contrast Peter with Judas. Peter was ultimately restored. Judas couldn't come back. He committed suicide. There was always redemption after a fall. You can never get too far from God that he, will never, that he won't take back. He, he does not despise a contrite heart. And there's only one source for this story. It's Peter. Mark is Peter's biographer. Matthew paid attention to Mark. Holy Spirit calling. Holy Spirit. Peter says, this is what I did, and this amazing Jesus never stopped loving me. This is not a story you would tell if you're trying to let everybody think and know that you're just an amazing person. This is what makes me, just gives more credence to the gospel because it's just honest. I blew it. I failed at that moment of truth. I didn't have what it took. I broke. I ran. I denied him. But he restored me. He took me back. Luckily, Jesus is not part of the cancel culture. I think if he was part of the cancel culture, he, Peter and the disciples would have been gone. We're dealing with that now, uh, and, and I think it has to do with truth. All truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. And we're having a hard time these days dealing with truth. Whatever the topic might be, dealing with truth. And if you're somebody who is speaking the truth, but it goes against the narrative, you will be canceled. Jesus didn't do this. He, he welcomed them back. Uh, April 20th, we had Dr. John Littell. I don't, some people may have different views of him. But uh, he was our speaker at a Faith and Freedom Commission. Later that day, he went down to Sarasota and spoke to a hospital board. And he said things they didn't agree with and they didn't like. And they had him escorted out. And he uh, lost his board certification to be a family physician. Now, Terry Treesh told me on the way in that he had uh, a meal with uh, Dr. Stephen um, Hatfield and said that he's going to get it back. But he was saying things all along throughout this whole COVID thing that went against the narrative, and he was punished for it. There's a price to pay when you tell the truth or do the right thing. It's interesting, I've been, I was listening to Alan Dershowitz the other day, a well-known conservative. Not. And apparently, I didn't know this, he defended Trump back in the day when he was the civil litigation. When he did that, now, now Dershowitz is Mr. Harvard, Harvard Law School, and he's a, he's a Martha's Vineyard guy. He lost all his friends in Martha's Vineyard. They want nothing to do with him now. He was a frequent uh, columnist for the New York Times, completely gone. CNN, MSNBC, no appearances because he did that one thing that they didn't agree with. It was the right thing to do. He did the right thing, and my esteem for him has gone way up because he was willing to pay the price for doing the right thing. Mm. In our day, we're going to be called upon to stand up for Jesus, maybe in ways we don't expect. I think of that baker back in Colorado who baked cakes for gay people all the time, but he wouldn't do it for the wedding because he didn't believe in that. 
paid a price for that. I think of adoption and foster agencies that will not give a child to a same-sex couple because they don't believe that that's proper. We're going through a whole issue now with the trans community. Um, God's truth is he made them male and female. Wednesday, I had a whole church full of kids here, and I said, if you're a boy, this had to do with people trying to move you away from God's truth and faith. Stick with God. I said, if you're a boy, stand up. And the boy stood up. And I said, okay, sit down. And I said, if, the girls, if you're a girl, stand up. And the girl stood up. And they said, fine. I said, if you're neither, if you're neither a boy or a girl, please stand up. There are people who would stand up because they're non-binary. I'm neither a boy nor a girl. Nobody did. I said, if you're both a boy and a girl, stand up. Nobody stood up. That would be gender fluid. They know that God created them male and female. This is, emphasizing this is not new. I was surprised to see this. Are fancy on the outside. Some are fancy on the inside. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy, everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Only girls can be the mommies. Okay. Okay. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. When was he on? I'm trying to remember. The 70s? Alex, do you know who that is? How many remember Mr. Rogers? Yeah, Mr. Rogers was a, was a classic. And back in the day, he was just reminding boys that you're always a boy and girls that you're always a girl. I was kind of surprised because I didn't know that was an issue back then. But anyway, um, man, all these things that we're dealing with now, we're dealing with marriage, we're dealing with family, we're dealing with the value of merit, identity politics, it all comes back to a biblical worldview. What does God say about all these things? What does God say about all these issues that are sort of in the front pages of, of our headlines today? Do I know what God say, says about these things? Am I willing to stand up for what he says about these things? Am I willing to stand with him as the pressure comes to push us back into a place where we just give up and go along? And I hope that never happens here. We need to know what God says. We need to know what his truth is. We need to be able to articulate it and do what needs to be done to express it and hopefully have an effect on our world. The good news is that even if we fail, God forgives and restores the repentant heart. There was an evangelist called Brownlow North. He was a man of God, but in his youth he had lived a wild life. One Sunday, he was to preach in Aberdeen. Before he entered the pulpit, a letter was handed to him. The writer recounted a shameful incident in Brownlow North's life before he became a Christian and stated that if he dared to preach, 
he would rise in the church and publicly proclaim what once he had done. Brownlow North took the letter into the pulpit with him. He read it to the congregation. He told them that it was perfectly true. And then he told them how through Christ he had been forgiven, how he had been enabled to overcome himself and put the past behind him, how through Christ he was a new creature. He used his own shame as a magnet to draw men to Christ. That is what Peter did. He told men, I heard him and I let him down like that. And still he loved me and forgave me. And he can do the same for you. Jesus wants neither regret, that involves just the mind, nor remorse, involves the mind and emotions, we feel terrible. But repentance involves the changing of the mind, the changing of the emotions, and the changing of the will, meaning turning away from sin. One failure doesn't make a flop. He is the God of a second chance. At Pentecost, Peter wielded a different sword, a spiritual sword, the word of the Spirit and won a victory. And so thankful for being given the second chance, Peter would carry the gospel all the way to Rome where, he, where they crucified him upside down. What an encouragement for those who have felt like the lone coal sitting away from the heat off by itself, where Jesus comes along and bumps it closer to the others and immediately begins to glow again. Four quick lessons from Peter. One, no one, not even a spiritual rock, is immune to failure. Two, God knows our precise breaking point. And three, when surrounded by wrongdoers, doing wrong comes easy. And four, the last step toward correction is not to act like we're strong, but to admit that we're weak. If you've denied the Lord that, you, that bought you, look up to him who now looks down from heaven ready to pardon the backslider who cries with the returning prodigal, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then thank him. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your looks of love, your sorrow, your pity, and your forgiveness. Now, it was you that had the song, right? Huh? And it's Philip. Philip. This is, this is Bill Brack's son, and God bless the Bracks for being here today. We had quite a funeral here yesterday. It just ended 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Pretty close. But Philip said that one of the songs that meant a lot to him and his dad was, and he ran to me. And so I played it yesterday, but I'm going to play a different version. This is about the prodigal son, but think of it in terms of Peter. Conquer and 
redemption after a fall. Never give up on God because God will never give up on you. 